But let me just pray. I want to pray, and then I want to do my best to bring the word. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for those who have come this morning, Lord. And Jesus, this is your house. This is your your place. And I just pray that you'd help me. It's always a humbling experience to, to preach your word. But we honor Scripture. We honor your word, Lord. It, it is, for us, it means everything. So I just pray, Lord God, that this morning you would, you would speak to our hearts and you would, Lord, communicate what you want to this morning. And we thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've put my uh, time clock there because for those who listen to the recordings on, on our website, I, I have to kind of put them up there and I realize that the other week I went for quite long and I was like, oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> so I want to keep my eye on the time and I want to uh, preach as best as I can and keep to the point as best as I can. But, you know, we've been talking about kingdom uniform, kingdom uniform, and there's a uniform that we wear to be able to accomplish the mission that Jesus Christ has for us on this earth. You know, when He ascended to heaven, He passed the baton on to us. And through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, now it's our assignment to be able to partner with Him as ambassadors of Christ, preaching the gospel of peace. And so we've been talking about, you know, the fact that when you go into mission, you must be well-equipped. You must put on your uniform. Just like when I go out to work or to school or to play soccer or whatever it is, I prepare myself, I put a uniform on. It is no different in the kingdom of God. As we ask God to allow us to partner with Him, He requires us to put a kingdom uniform on. And that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. But what I want to do this morning is I just want to go through the first couple chapters of Acts and just highlight some of the key events that happen until I get to chapter 5, and I want to park there for a moment because there's something really significant, something life-giving and encouraging that I want the church to hear this morning. But then at, towards the end of the service, I'm going to tie it into that kingdom uniform theme that we've been talking about and hopefully touch on the, the shield of faith, which is a powerful, powerful uh, uh, part of the armor. But let me just talk about Acts from the beginning. Chapters 1 to 5. Um, of the book of Acts detail the early days of the church. Okay, it's the it's the start of the church, including the empowerment of the apostles by the Holy Spirit, the growth of the uh, Christian community. We were seeing growth and various challenges that they faced. From chapters one, a couple of the key key things that happened in chapter one was Jesus. Obviously, he ascends. He goes to heaven. And the apostles wait in Jerusalem. They wait in Jerusalem. At the time, obviously, Judas Iscariot was no longer a part of the apostles. And so they had to choose another. And they, they went into prayer. And Matthias was chosen to replace Judas, as we know. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus before he left. And then the disciples were told, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Because who knows that without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we are powerless. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need Him to be able to speak to us divine, heavenly wisdom, to see what He sees, to stay in tune with what He wants to do. So the disciples, chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit descends. Peter preaches and many are baptized. I believe that the number was 3,000 uh, are saved that day when he preaches and are baptized. Early Christian community shares everything. So there's a revival. It was like the, the men and women of God, they were selling their possessions to be able to support each other as the kingdom of God was, was expanding on the earth. They felt like there was nothing more important but to have a 100% buy-in and say, I am in on what God is doing. And I'm in with, with finance and all. I'm in, I'm in to support the family of Christ. Chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame beggar at the gate called Beautiful. Remember that beautiful story? It's a beautiful story. It was at the gate called Beautiful. Powerful story of God's miraculous power being demonstrated, saying, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, be healed. Powerful story. Peter's second sermon about repentance happens in chapter 3. Chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested for preaching. So we begin to see that this uh, gospel of peace is not necessarily welcomed. And Jesus, obviously we know he was crucified and, and put to the cross. And now his disciples taking mission are now beginning to experience the challenges being arrested for preaching. They boldly testify before the council. Believers pray for boldness. They say, Lord, help us because we see that there's opposition, there's persecution. Help us to be bold. And let me tell you something, even in that, today it is a prayer worth praying. Lord, help me to be bold. Just like the early Christians in Acts, just as they saw the church growing like crazy, help us, Lord, to be bold, to be able to stand up for truth, to be able to preach God's gospel of peace. Amen? Chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira's deceit and judgment. So obviously, or for those who don't know, there were a couple uh, that, that were hiding the, the profit that they made from their home. And it wasn't so much that they were um, keeping money for themselves, but the fact that they were deceitful. And the disciples called them out on it, and the consequences were not good. They were put to death. Not by the disciples, but they instantly died in, that, in the space of where the disciples confronted them. Quite a crazy story. Read it if you want to get a bit more detail. Apostles continue to perform miracles. So we're seeing God's miraculous power in the early church. But they are arrested, but freed by an angel. So again, they're busted doing God's work and they're put to prison, but by the miraculous power of God, an angel frees the disciples. And this is where we get to. And this is what I want to read from chapter uh, number 5, verse 33. Listen to this because they're now being confronted. The, 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 uh, they've been told that the prison guard was standing there. The prison was shut, but the disciples are not there. And so they obviously go and find the disciples and bring them to the council to be able to be you know, uh, spoken to. And it says this, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, I believe it's, I believe it's pronounced, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves, what you intend to do regarding these men. 
For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, listen to this very clearly, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if, for if this plan or this work is of men, if it is, we've, we've seen what happens, it will come to nothing. But if, but if it is of God, listen to this, church, you are sitting here. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. You cannot lest you be found to fight against God. You cannot. And we are the cannot this morning. You are sitting here and you are the cannot be overthrown. The church of Christ is being built. Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Not even hell will be able to prevail against what God is building His church. Not even hell. And hell's a pretty bad place, but has no, no chance. In the words of Gamaliel, sorry, if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. The church his church is still being built and nothing can stop it. And we are, we are now assigned the mission of preaching the, the gospel of peace and nothing can stop it. Amen? Because it is the plan of God. I will build my church. I will build my church I'm sorry, no negotiation. I will build my church. Plan of God. Through Jesus saying it. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And of course, as always, our chief in command provides us the strategy to win, to overcome, to be set free, to stay on the offensive. Matthew 16, 19 says this, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love this scripture, Rahi, the keys of the kingdom. You know, at home, I carry around keys in my home. Sometimes it drives my wife a little crazy because my children, they happen to not know if they want to be inside or outside. And so... There's a constant battle of in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And I, my, my justification of holding keys and sometimes locking doors until we get a little bit of a knock is because I want to see what the purpose is of going in and out of the house 20 times, especially when you're in the other room trying to focus parents. Come on, can anyone say amen to me? Parents, help me. Remember back in COVID times, it was terrible, right? Stuck in our homes, trying to concentrate was impossible. But the point is, I have keys and 
And in the spiritual, we have been given keys of the kingdom of heaven, right? And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Listen, there are people that we know that need to be, the, the, the chains in which they are bound need to be loosened up. We need to loosen up the chains in which they are bound. And we do that how? We do that by prayer. We do that by being bold. We do that by speaking truth. Listen, God did not intend for you to be bound up in chains. This is not the will of God. You are experiencing the devil's plan to kill, steal, and destroy you. Some of the people amongst us that we know, and sometimes even as Christians, we need a little bit of loosening of the chains, so to speak, to be freed. And we as children of God have been given the keys of the kingdom. That's a powerful, powerful piece of equipment right there. I just love the fact that the chief commander not only gives us a kingdom uniform, he gives us keys to the kingdom. He gives us grace that is sufficient in every single situation. You are not a victim. You are not somebody who is just beat up by the enemy having no opportunity to fight back or to stand up and to walk courageously into the future. Let me tell you, God has equipped you. It's just us having the knowledge, the revelation, the understanding that God provides in His Word and taking a hold of that and saying, that is mine, it belongs, to my, it belongs to me. The church, His church, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, a tree, a mature tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. There are birds, <laughs> birds in, 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 the, in the sky that need the, the gospel, salvation, the branches that are extended out to the world, all over the world. They need to be able to rest upon truth, God's truth, not on lies, not on false religions, not on anything else other than He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on. Christianity, listen to this, some of the cool statistics, because I want to build encouragement this morning. Christianity is growing worldwide with a 1.17% growth, growth rate. By the middle of 2022, almost 2.56 billion people will identify as Christian. And that number is expected to top 3.33 billion by 2050. Hallelujah. I will build my church. Not even hell can prevent that from happening. The number of Christians is projected to rise by 34%, slightly faster than the global population overall. Yet far more slowly, and this is a little bit startling, far more slowly than Muslims. We have a, we have a mission. We have a battle on our hands. We do. Hate to say it, but we do. According to uh, the, the Pew Research Center projections, by 2060, the count of Muslims would near the Christian count. So I don't mean to bring a downer on the statistics, but the point is, Christian, be present. Christian, 
Here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, as long as I have my but for a moment opportunity, because that's what life is, isn't it? It's but for a moment. Gone. Lord, as long as I have that opportunity, God, I'm in. There's a mission and I'm in. But let me go back to Acts chapter 6, because I want to kind of continue and I want to tie up that kingdom uniform. I want to go there. Conflict arises over the distribution of food. And seven men, including Stephen, are chosen for service. Stephen, one of the chosen seven, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Beautiful, beautiful story. Accusations, however, are made against Stephen. And eventually, he is arrested. Okay? So we're going to see, as I said, the trials that the early church faced. Of course, it was growing like crazy. People had a buy-in, 100% buy-in. But at the same time, there was also persecution and difficulty. This chapter sets the stage for the, 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 the martyring, the, the martyrdom of Stephen and, further, and the further spread of Christianity. So we see at this point of time, something that was about to happen was not necessarily easy for us as Christians to hear. And yet it's necessary to be preached because we can learn so much from Stephen and his example. An amazing man of God. After a confrontation with the high priest, this is the end, towards the end of chapter 7. After a confrontation with the high priest, things take a turn for the worst. The crowd drags Stephen out of the city and stones him to death. Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul, is present and approved of Stephen's execution. In fact, the Bible says he held the clothes, I believe, of uh, if it wasn't Stephen, it was those who were persecuting. I'm not sure on that. But I know that he was present and he was endorsing this persecution of Stephen. Acts 7 marks the martyrdom, like I said, of Stephen and foreshadows the persecution of the early church. Matthew 11, I've been reading this for a couple weeks. 12 says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by what? They take it by force. Stephen, a representative of the kingdom of heaven, suffered violence. Exhibit A of the verse. This is Stephen. This is what he's experiencing. But the question is, did Stephen violently take it by force? Did he? It's a good question to think about. Did he take it by force? As the scripture says, and the violent take it by force. Here's another question. Was Stephen wearing his kingdom uniform? The answer is yes to both questions. Yes to both questions. Yes, Stephen fits the description of the scripture. He was the violent taking it by force. Stephen. Now, of course, the outcome doesn't seem to fit our narrative of how it ought to be. As Christians, it's all going to work out, or as Hollywood will tell us, the lady and man end up together, they kiss, and they never have a problem ever again. Right? It's a beautiful, beautiful ending. It doesn't fit our narrative. And yet, let me share 
how powerful this life lived for God is. Yes, he does fit the description. He was the violent taken by force. Stephen was living out the scripture that says this, Matthew 16, 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Can you believe he took a hold of such a scripture that in his scenario, it doesn't end up so good. He dies for the cause. And yet he's 100% invested in the mission that he has on this earth to preach the, prepara- the, preach the gospel of peace, 100% invested, and yet this is the outcome. But I love this character because it's not just about you and me, church. It's about the generations that follow. Stephen, a hero of faith, if it wasn't for somebody like him, we would not be here. Somebody who stood for the cause, knowing that, hey, my life is a piece of the puzzle. If you see a jigsaw puzzle, right? Liken yourself as one piece of that puzzle. Stephen saw his piece as hard as it was, as still valuable, giving his life up. Like the Apostle Paul, Stephen believed in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Powerful. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, full of faith and power, forcefully advanced the kingdom because he understood the words of Jesus. In Matthew 10, 27, it says this, and I'll I'll go to 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. You have to be, that, that scripture would have taken a whole new meaning at that time. Don't fear those who can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He didn't have a fear of men. He had a righteous fear, a fear of mighty God. And he knew that although this outcome of my life might not be as wonderful as we all hope our life will be, he understood that his soul belongs to the maker, the creator. And that's the fear, the reverent fear that he has, not fear towards men. And can I tell you something? Listen, I know I'm talking about a guy who is about here on the spiritual level, right? <laughs> How dare you, Pastor Dave, speak about a guy like Stephen? I feel, I feel inadequate to speak about a guy like him, honestly. The guy is a man of God, a hero in the faith, and yet we can learn from him, right? A life lived, devoted for God, 100% in. I'm not giving 50%, I'm giving 100%. And yes to the second question. Stephen wore his kingdom uniform. Yes, he did. Let me remind us of the kingdom uniform I'm talking about. Ephesians 6 Verse 13 says this, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. 
and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Joe brought a powerful word. I encourage you to go listen to it on the podcast. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So I'm giving you context of this kingdom uniform. Did Stephen wear it? Yes, he did. He wore his kingdom uniform. He was prepared for what he confronted that day. Stephen, it says, full of the Holy Spirit, defends himself against false accusations. Listen, being full of the Holy Spirit is evidence of righteousness. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit this morning, maybe you ought to come and repent this, this, this morning when I give you the opportunity to do so and ask that the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit because that is evidence of righteousness, being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Scripture teaches us that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit after we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The promise, the Holy Spirit. Stephen is described also as a man full of faith and power. Further evidence of righteousness. Stephen was righteous and he lived righteously. Amen? Absolutely. He wore his breastplate of righteousness. What else did he wear? He gives a lengthy speech recounting the history of Israel from Abraham to Moses. This is in chapter 7. And the prophets. Stephen is full of the word. He's ready and equipped for this situation. Being able to recount the history of a nation that was chosen by God and some of the key events, he's, 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 he's not reading it, he's just, he knows it. He's speaking it to the council, to the high priests, speaking it with confidence. Listen, the armor of God, and we haven't even talked about this one in detail, but the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's got his sword. You better believe it. And the reason why he's giving this long speech about what happened is because he's setting up what he's about to say. And he's giving context to the sins of those he's speaking to. And in order for them to understand where he's going, he's doing a rabbit hole. <laughs> but a necessary one, and he's giving history about how in the past God's chosen people rebelled against God. And now Jesus Christ has come and a similar situation has happened, but he is full of the Word. The Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. He's against experts in the law and the prophets, not intimidated, not afraid. Stephen emphasizes how God's presence was not limited to the temple in Jerusalem. No, no, no. You've, you've missed the prophecies that earth is God's footstool. 
God has no place. The heaven is his home. Where, where, how can we box God into a building, right? And of course, the people he's speaking to, this, this conversation, the high priest, to the high priest he's speaking to, this is above reproach. This is how dare you say that this God is not limited to a place and a space in Jerusalem. Don't you remember what we talked about earlier this year? The, the covenantal upgrade, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. No longer is there a limitation of God being in one place, one space, talking to one person. No, no, no. He's been poured out on all flesh. And Stephen is boldly talking about this. He accuses the Jewish leaders of resisting the Holy Spirit, just as their ancestors did. This is what they did. This is what you are doing. But here's the thing. Now, this is on the application side of this word. Now it's on us. Do you refuse to accept what Jesus Christ has done? Oh, no, no, no. I think Jesus Christ was a great man. Have you submitted and surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ? That's the sign of not being like those I'm talking about. Coming to a repentance, coming to a realization that only by the one, the only passage, rite of passage, Jesus Christ, can we have salvation with God. Only one way. Your traditions, your religion, your works count for nothing. One way. Through Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? He accuses the Jewish leaders. We hear, we hear the noisy belt of truth, don't we? It's a noisy one. And I spoke about that earlier in the series. This belt of truth at the time is making a lot of noise and they don't like it, but it's necessary. He needs to tell the people here the truth. We see his feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What do you mean, Dave? What do you mean the preparation of the gospel of peace? He's causing a commotion. He is causing a disruption amongst the religious figures of that time. Yes, he is, but let me tell you something. There is no other peace but the peace that we find when we come to full surrender in Jesus Christ. Any other peace that we classify as peace is counterfeit. It is not real. It does not last. Founding your life upon anything, your comforts, your preferences, the, the, the culture, anything founded on that and getting peace from that is counterfeit and it's, it will not last. And here's Stephen. His feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hey, true peace, as I said, is not in your traditions, your religion, your true peace will only be found by acknowledging who this Jesus Christ was and who he is. Preaching, you know, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. Peacemakers, not peacekeepers. I heard one of the pastors, Edson, shared a little clip with me. We're not called to keep peace because, as I said, Many people have a peace that isn't real. We're called to make peace. 
And sometimes making peace can get a little bit messy. It's a bit noisy as far as the truth is concerned. I've got to tell you truth. But the point is, we want people to have that reconciliation with the Creator, the King of Kings, to come into relationship with Him. I'm, I'm coming quickly to a close. Listen to what he said. Just to let you know how noisy this truth was, this is the words that he used, 751. You stiff-necked, you stiff-necked sorry, and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? You're doing exactly what they did. And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. I mean, that's quite loud. That is quite confronting and yet true and necessary to be told. Because if I don't tell you, you will somehow believe that you've done the right thing. But let me awaken the conviction in your heart that has been placed in every single one of us. Repent. Repent. Come to know the Father. Don't hold back. Betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Even the law itself do not murder. You murdered. You murdered Jesus Christ. And you've got to be told about it. Gospel of peace. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Stephen understood. He understood his shoes, the gospel of peace, are not meant to be hidden. They're not meant to be hidden. Stephen's noisy belt of truth disrupted the status quo, didn't it? He understood that, as I said in the previous weeks, Without truth, there is no righteousness. If I don't speak about Jesus Christ and what you did to him, there is no righteousness. Your false sense of security, your false sense of peace, there's no such thing. Without truth, sin reigns. Without truth, there is no justice. Without truth, there is no salvation. Boldly shared, wearing the preparation of the gospel peace on his feet, having his breastplate of righteousness, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, giving context to religious figures of that day, not intimidated at all. Powerful, 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 powerful scene. The religious leaders became enraged, ignashed at, they ignashed at their teeth, the Bible says. As Stephen's words, they could not bear what he was saying. As the crowd dragged Stephen out of the city to stone him to death, the helmet of salvation remains fastened to his head. It's not coming off anytime soon. Psalm 37, 39 says, But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Never wavering or deviating off course, Stephen remains faithful to the end. Right to the end, Stephen sees a vision of heaven and Jesus at the right hand of God. And of course, he doesn't hold back and he shares that vision with those religious men of that day. And as we know, and I've shared, the consequence was 
as it was. He died for the cause. But the last thing I want to point out, and I will close, is the breastplate of righteousness, sorry, the helmet, sorry, the shield of faith. The shield of faith. It took me two seconds to get my head around what I was trying to say. The fiery darts that protects us from the fiery darts of the evil one. You know, you are able to protect yourself with the shield of faith. You know why? Because as we said, every piece of the armor must be worn. Every single piece of the armor must be worn. The shield of faith, right? You are able to move forward because you know truth. If you didn't have truth around that waist, what would your faith be standing upon? What, I mean, define your faith, your shield of faith. What does it even mean? Well, my shield, what gives context to my shield is truth, is truth. That's how I can move forward in a forward motion and not run, but move forward. This is powerful. This is, this is, this is the armor of God being employed like I've never seen anyone Apart from, of course, Jesus, no other, no, other, no other one is greater than Jesus. But Stephen, fully armed with the kingdom uniform, is able to accomplish the mission and purpose that God has for him. Question is, for us this morning, are we also engaging in God? What are you, what's your purpose and plan for my life in the Great Commission? How am I living this out? How am I... Available for you, Jesus. Let me encourage you with a couple last scriptures when done. Still, in Hebrews 11.36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment, sorry. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through what? Through faith. Did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Powerful realization. And Anton mentioned it earlier, that it is impossible to please God without faith. Here are examples. The heroes of faith are mentioned, and Stephen being one of them because he was stoned for his faith. But he was able to accomplish what he needed to accomplish in the Lord because he had his shield of faith, which was powerful in that moment allowed him to move forward with boldness. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Listen, Stephen had a shield of faith moving forward, knowing that this life is temporal, but there is an everlasting life that will come after that is the kind of godly confidence and boldness he had written on that shield, so to speak, 
this is not just about the here and now, it's about eternity. And maybe there are people amongst this church this morning who haven't thought about eternity for a little while, but let me tell you, can I have the worship team come up? Eternity is in a moment. In a moment. None of us can be sure of when we live, when we die. That's the truth, right? We're here and we hear about the sad stories of our loved ones and people that they're here and then suddenly they're not. And eternity is a very long time. And Stephen boldly went into that moment wearing his kingdom uniform, including his shield of faith, because he knew where he's going to be spending his eternity. He knew that his life was to be lived for the cause of Jesus Christ. And he knew that his eternity was secure. Can I ask you this morning, is your eternity secure? Do you know that if you were to die today, and we don't talk about it often enough, but the truth is, do you know if you were to die tonight, today, do you know where you'd spend your eternity? Is it with Jesus Christ? Can I encourage you this morning, and I want to pray with the church family, that you can be sure when you leave this place today. You can this morning acknowledge Jesus Christ and don't deny Him like the religious figures of that day and their fathers, denying the prophets who prophesied about Jesus and persecuting Him. Don't deny Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? Well, you come to a realization that you are a sinner. We have fallen short of God's glory. We all need to repent. There are not many ways to God. There is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. So can I have everyone close their eyes and bow their heads?